you would please open your Bible, let's get to it today. Today's teaching is um, uh, something I've never taught this before ever. This is called um, Taking Charge Like the Prodigal's Father. That's the overall theme of it, but the subtitle is really the one that I really like a lot. Repeat it with me, please. Say, The Wisdom of the Prodigal's Father. This is not about the prodigal son. This is about the father of the prodigal son. It's about daddy. It's a sermon that talks about something that he did that was incredibly smart. I, I never noticed it before until recently. I had this great moment when I thought about how difficult a season this was for this man whose son went astray and how he dealt with it. So the, the real question today I'm going to deal with is how do you deal with a difficult season? How do you deal with a season that's unexpected? Have you ever had someone that you loved that disappointed you or someone that you uh, had faith in, a brother or a sister or anyone, um, a boss, however? Uh, but if you are the authority figure and this person has disappointed you, how do you respond to that disappointment? The goal is to show you how somebody responded and for you to learn from their experience in this series on taking charge, it, it raises the big question of how do, you, how do you do that? How do you refuse to ex let your life go in a direction? This is a father you're going to see who could have acted out. It could have been horrible, but he, he chose the high ground. He chose to respond to a circumstance that was unfair to him, that was, that was disrespectful, um, but he chose to do a number of smart things. And at the end of the sermon, I'm going to show you something really smart he did that I thought was amazing that a lot of parents can learn from. Notice with me there, there's, there's seven observations about the prodigal story. The prodigal son story um, is uh, one you've heard a lot about, the guy who ends up in the hog pen and all that and, and goes away and spends all of his money. I want to quickly go through seven simple quick observations about it that I thought were new to me as well as I, I never thought of these, but let me give you, if I can, first a definition of the word prodigal. The word prodigal simply means to be wasteful. Can you say wasteful, please? This is a wasteful kid, and he spends all he has lavishly. He has no boundaries. He's just a spendthrift. And here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had how many sons? Two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. I want what's mine. So Watch with me the disrespectful tone of the son. And that's the first thing I want you to notice, there's disrespect. But notice there's also wisdom in this same story because the father's response, he makes an, a decision to make a very, very expensive investment. He divided to them his livelihood. He gave it to him. You want it? Have it. I'm not, now, now, I don't believe that's not without discussion. I don't believe that's without you know, protests or some guidance, son, you sure you want to do this? I'm sure there's some of that in there. But as Luke summarizes the story, Jesus summarizes the parable, there's a simple statement that says, Dad just gave it to him. Now, that's because the father, you're going to see later on, saw that as a long-term investment. Once he learned this lesson, he would never need to learn it again. You learn this in your early 20s, you got it. I don't have to ever repeat this again. You can tell a person something, but they don't have to they don't believe you. They, they believe that if they run away and move out and go with somebody, that, that the family down the street who feels like you're a mean parent, that's fine until you need to buy clothes. You find out that 
People are not as invested in you as you thought. When you college students got ready to go to college and you announced it to your family, how many raised their hands? Let me give to that. Isn't that a moment? Not many hands went up, did they? Or when you talk about books and how expensive they are, just mention, oh, these books are like really expensive. How much? $150. Oh, boy, God help you. But they never go in their pockets. Isn't that amazing? They just look and smile and say, ooh, wow, wow, wow. How about a wow here? Wow. Wow money. Yes, come on. Love, love. Come to the graduation crying with tears and cameras, but you gave not a dollar, not 50 cents. Not 50 cents. I tell you, it's amazing. Some of you can go around to all your family members in college and give them 50 cents. At least I'm invested. I gave you something. There's something about this story that the father who understood, I've got to make sure you get this now. Because one day I won't be around and, you, and I need to make sure you get it. So, so notice there's disrespect, notice there's wisdom, but notice secondly there is also reality. Reality always comes, verse 17 of Luke chapter 15 is a reality check. Reality happens when, when he came to himself, and you always do, it, hopefully, you always get it at some point. You may not respond to it, but he, this guy comes to himself, and he said, how many, listen to this comment. He left home, won all his money, he, he went out and wasted all of his money on women and partying and all this good stuff, and at least bad stuff, brother. How many of my fathers, now when he comes to himself, he says, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I mean, I, I need to go home. I never start with that. He rethinks everything. He, he backs up. And that's a really good moment for you, when you can back up and say, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And so now he has this confidence. This is the third thing I want you to notice. He has confidence. I can go home. I like that. I like that they can come back to you. I like, parents hear me, I like that they can come and say I messed up. I like the fact that verse 17 says, when he came to himself, he said, how many servants do I have? Verse 18, he said, I will arise, go to my father's, and, we'll, and I'm, I'm going to say this to him. Father, I have sinned against heaven first. And you second. I like that he's having a spiritual revival right now. He's waking up. He's beginning to see, man, this is, I sinned against God. You know, I, I violated my walk with God. You know, forget dad for a minute. God first, dad second. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. It's amazing. He went to get the money because he felt worthy. This is mine. Now he feels unworthy. Give you a hint. You prosper, you get what you get the job you want, you get the position you want, you graduate with your, all your cum laude's, you feel powerful, you, you know, you'll feel unworthy eventually. When you, when you get at certain stages in your life, you feel like you're really important. The older you get, the more you manage, the more you are over. Just a couple of children, you'll feel unworthy. You will feel a weight of responsibility when you do get the job and you do get the promotion and you do, you, you, you'll see. It's, it, there's, there's something that comes, even with this job. Oh, man, I'm telling you all the time. There are moments it's just like, get out of here. You feel, a, he's come to a moment when he goes, I'm not really worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Give me a low-paying job. So I, want to be, I want to be with you. I've discovered it's safer to be with an imperfect father who loves me than to be with those people because they really don't love me. And so what does he do? He, he goes back home. And what's really great is number five, four rather, his father's available. 
<laughs> he, knew, he, knew, he knew where he was. A man, and he's willing to forgive him. If you look at verse 20 of Luke chapter 15, he arose, came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. He cuts him off and restores him. Now I want you to think about this. He goes to the father because he knows where his father is. I like the fact that he's available. Even though he's messed up, don't ever stop, don't ever stop being available. Don't ever stop answering the phone. Don't ever stop responding to calls. Don't ever, ever do that. Don't ever tell your child you're dead to me. Don't ever do that. Don't ever, don't ever cut the, the chain of communication. I understand you have to be tough sometimes. You've got to draw lines, but listen, be careful about that. He had a place to come back to. And dad ran, kissed him, hugged him, and, and said, now let me, let me fix this. The father said in verse uh, 22, let me restore you. He said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Not just any robe. Get the one that's not been worn before, the handmade one. Get the best robe. Put it on him. Get the one we bought from Beverly Hills. <laughs> Get the one that cost several thousand dollars. Bring that robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand, the expensive one. Because that's a sign of authority. I'm giving you back your authority. And I want you to understand you can do contracts. I want you to have power. I want you to have the sense. And you don't wear, you wear shoes in this. You put shoes back on his feet. He's bare, he came back home barefoot, left with a bunch of money, came back home barefoot pretty bad. I want to fix your life. I want to restore you. I'm not interested in remembering all you used to be and taunting you for your failures and living up to some kind of, I don't know, did, you shed a lesson. Oh, boy, Lord, may God tell you that. I hope he does. The next time you tell your kids, you shed a lesson. That's not this father. They, that's why he's back. That's why he's back. He's back because he already know, he knows all that. God taught him that. I don't beat you up in church much. Because you know, you, know, you know the state you're in when you came in here. Do I need to remind you of your sins and failures? I don't know that that's my purpose. There's something that people just don't get. And I don't normally defend preachers, but Joel Osteen to me is a great preacher. I enjoy him. But I just get sick and tired of some of these criticisms of him. He's just not strong enough. He just needs to just, you know, are you a fire-breathing dragon? You just blow on people? Oh, you, want, you want everybody to do that? Well, he's too positive. Well, so what? L listen to your negative guy and then listen to your positive guy. Vanilla, strawberry, get it? Let people be who they are. Embrace. Well, it's not doctrinal. Everybody's not going to be doctrinal and deep. I'm not going to teach them revelations. I've tried it. I don't like it. I know it. I read it. I understand that class is in it. I get it. But all of you go to sleep on it. So I had to find a way to give it to you so you can eat it and digest it. But some people are just, they just feel like, you know, my job is just to, just to, when you, just to let everybody know the wrongest thing they've ever done and, 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 and to remind them. And that's not this father. This guy comes home, he doesn't mention it. There's no mention in the text about where he'd been. He doesn't rehearse it. Do you feel the need to do that? 
do that in your marriage, you do it with people you know, you do it with your friends, you rehearse all the failures of people around you, and that's why they don't want to talk to you. Some people don't want to go to church because it's depressing. It's always, it's always about what's wrong with you. Look, I know what's wrong with me. That's why, I mean, that's, that's why I come. I come to get encouraged and lifted. I'm not saying you shouldn't challenge people. I challenge you. I know if you come around, I get you. I sneak it in on it. Don't, I sneak you. Sneak attack. Some of you be just laughing, then I stick you one time. You go, oh. I think he just said something. He just jacked me up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was laughing. All of a sudden now, he's he naming my issues. But what's powerful is you see this father says nothing about all that and restores his son. And here's what he says, verse 23. Bring the fatty calf, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and, alive, and is alive. He's lost and is found. He's lost and is found. And, and, and let's be merry. They began to be merry. They began to party and dance. And man, he's back. What a joy. I love this. I love this picture. I love the idea that we can restore people. I love the idea that people can be fixed. I love that, that thought. Because if I ever get broken, I want to know that I can be fixed. I don't need you in my life. Parents get this one. I don't need you in my life if that's all you do. If you are the, you are the CNN report on me every time you see me. You got this long list of issues and this long list of moods and all this stuff. Look at as a boss who does that all the time. Look at as a leader who does that all the time. It doesn't help. This dad didn't do that. He grabbed him, restored him, but please notice two final things that are amazing. First of all, there's anger in this story. The anger is interesting because the older son, verse 25, who was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he, he, he heard music and dancing. So he called out one of his servants and asked, what, what's all this going on? What, what does this mean? What is meant by all this? Verse 27, he said to him, your brother's come home. And everybody's received him. And the sound is your, father, your father's killed the fatted calf for him. But he was angry, verse 28 says, and would not go in. You know, when you're angry, you don't think sometimes. When you're angry, you don't always rationally put things in the right box. I check myself quickly when I'm angry because I get there, but I often go have a meeting. And you ought to hear it. It's really pretty, pretty interesting. I'll say something like, so, so what's wrong with you, Rick? What are you mad about? Because she don't agree with you? So what, <laughs> your opinion is like the only opinion allowed? I child, man, I argue with myself. You don't want to be there because it sounds like I'm losing it. But sometimes I'm so intense and I'm so frustrated about something someone said or did or something happened or, you know, whatever it is, or even if it's something that, that intimidates me. I want to talk to myself. Well, what's, what's your problem, dude? What's wrong? You don't know how to fight? What's the problem? What do you, what, what, let's check yourself here. You don't, you don't have a right, and if you do have an issue, deal with it. But you don't, you don't need to be responding that way. I love the fact that in this moment, the Bible is so honest this guy is angry, and he's out of control, and he wouldn't go in, and his father came out and pleaded with him. Come on, man. Come on, son. Come on. Shake it. Shake it. You're the older brother. What's the deal? Then you hear this resentment, and it's all because he never got a party. Listen to this. This is amazing. 
So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And you, and you never gave me a young goat. You didn't kill anything for me. You didn't even give me a goat. Forget the calf. You didn't give me a goat. <laughs> that I might make merry with my friends. You ever hear yourself? That's why I believe in journaling. If I'm really angry, I write it down. And then I come back in a week. Temple, <laughs> it's hilarious a week from today. It's hilarious when you're upset over something and, and you just look at it and you go, you know, man. And you know, it's, it's, it's one of the good things about getting older is you just kind of learn to let stuff go. That really is, I'm 57. That's the joy of being 57. When you're young, you want to fight about everything. Nana and I were talking about something the other day, and we disagreed, you know. And, um, and so she had her opinion, I had my opinion. So we were talking back and forth about it, and it just started getting a little bit elevated. So, so it's funny. Old people just click into a zone. Oh, please. Okay, fine. And we really mean that. Like, hey, 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 hey. That, <laughs> and we figured it all out. But, but you know, this is the moment where this guy can't figure it out. He's lost. He's angry. He's frustrated. He can't put it together. And he's talking out of his head, verse 30, but as soon as the son of yours came home, who has devoured your livelihood with his harlots, you killed a fatty calf for him. Wouldn't give me a goat, but you killed a fatted calf for him. Listen to yourself. Can you say it with me, please? Come on. You can't say it. What's wrong with you? Come on, join the preacher. Say, listen to yourself. Say it again. Come on, listen to yourself. You got to hear yourself. You got to hear yourself. I'm telling everybody in here, I'm going to beat everybody in here. I don't work like this and y'all come home and this house a mess. I'm going to beat. Say it again. Listen to no, say it again. Come on. Listen to I know one thing. You don't get out of my face. Praise God. <laughs> Good to drop a little Jesus in there. Right? That, help, that helps it right there. Little, little Jesus, little Jesus. Listen to yourself. Some of you need to listen to your text. When you're coming over. Okay, I'll stop. Anyway. <laughs> everybody say, listen to yourself. Come on. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Listen. He's, he's out of control. <laughs> he said to him, son, now watch verse 31. He's trying to bring balance. Son, you're always with me. You're not the issue. You're not my problem. So why are you upset? Because I'm dealing with the problem. Why are you upset? You're not the problem. Some of you are jealous about your sisters and siblings because they gave them more attention than you. Maybe they're the problem. Maybe they needed that kind of attention. To be whole, you don't. Maybe you're stronger than them. Maybe they saw independence in you. Or maybe they like them more. So what? They'll, they'll, they'll find out later on. Come on, amen. <laughs> you know, just at some point in your, in your life, you have to understand what's, what's, what's the problem and what's not the problem. He said, you're always with me, verse 31. And all things that I have is yours. You never lost anything. He didn't take your part of the inheritance. He took his part. You didn't lose anything. 
Why, why are you in this fight, dude? Why are you in this fight? Excuse the term, dude. But why, are you, why are you in this and it has nothing to do with you? Not, not, I mean, you didn't lose anything. You're here. You're faithful. No one, no one didn't appreciate you. You didn't need a party like this because you never messed up like this. He had a big party for a big mess up. So please note, verse 32, I like, I like the way he says this. It was right that we should make merry. Let me set you straight. I'm right. Let me help you. I like this, Dad. Let me help you understand something. I'm right. This is right. Forgiveness and restoration is right. Another chance is right. And we should be making merry and being glad. Stood his son down, looked him in the face. <laughs> For your brother, if you've forgotten, was dead. Your brother was dead, and now he's alive again. And was lost, is now found. What a dad. Can you say that with me? Please say, what a dad. Come on. It's amazing. We've been preaching about the prodigal son so long, we never thought about the dad. What kind of man was he? He was a family man. This dad is, is a businessman on the farm. He, was good, he has a good-sized staff. His son referred to the size staff he had. He said he has hired servants and plenty of food. He was a prov great provider. His dad had a lot going for him. He was the man who could see beyond. He could see beyond, listen to this now, Attitudes, moments, disrespect, and seasons. Can you see beyond an attitude? And, I and parents, look at me. When you discipline your kids, when you're dealing with your kids at every age, I mean every age, when they're younger and when they're older, and it's challenging on all sides, I think the adult side is more challenging because they can do more harm to themselves. They have the power of independence without experience sometimes, and they can create for themselves a future that they don't understand. That's why in college, that's normally when you wreck your life. You want to wreck your memory? It's college age season. That's when you sleep around and do stuff and fall in love. When you're supposed to be passing tests, you in love. <laughs> you forgot why you pay all this money to be there to fall in love with a broke person who's in love with you. <laughs> Y'all two broken love people. And you're going to end up out of school and broke because you're in love, especially you, sister girl, because you get pregnant, you have to go. You have to leave. Didn't you notice that? Most of them don't stay. They have to leave, and they never make it back. But he goes on and graduates, and then he forgets your name most of the time, 80% of the time. I just messed up somebody. Love, I know. <laughs> Trying to help you. Know where you are. Know the season you're in. The assumption that you get another chance is wrong. Ask the people in here. Ask the people in here struggling to make, it, make ends meet because they don't have the income they thought they'd have because they didn't live. They lost their mind and lost their perspective. Love is not free. Fun for a few seconds, and then all over that, you spend nine months thinking about it. All the rest of your life, trying to recover from a heartbreak. He's not the focus of your soul at this stage. He hasn't earned that right. Neither has she. These young girls now, boy, when they get their hold on you, you better pray because this is a death grip. <laughs> it's my man. He's my man. You better not speak to him. 
You're not talking to me. It's my man. You're talking to my man. Look at my man. I'm going to tell you I'll beat you down. What in the world is this? Everybody say, ouch. There you go. That hurt. Let me tell you why you shouldn't be that much in love. They haven't earned it yet. Anybody can make you feel good for a few seconds. That's not that's easy. Do you understand that? But here's what's going to be harder, to make you feel good for a lifetime. That takes, that, that, that <laughs> you got to deal with uh, attitudes, moments, disrespect. You will not love anybody who doesn't disrespect you at some point. You will never, ever be in a relationship with anybody where you don't have a season. A day or two or a week when you're just not communicating and it doesn't go right and it's not easy to figure it out. That's part of love. You want to love somebody? That's love. Love is not, I mean, loving your kid is not playing with them when they're little and cute. No, love is when they spit up on you and they, they you know, bless the Lord Jesus. When I start hanging around my little granddaddy, I start carrying extra war clothes because I'm telling you, it's, just, it's all over my nice shirt. Jesus, girl, back up. Hello. <laughs> Every now and then, you know, you realize when they get older and they do, they do other things to you. You, you. Love is about seasons. Seasons when we are not going to connect. Seasons when, when you're, you're infant and I need to help you. Seasons, it's all kind of seasons. And this father understood that. That's why I like this guy. He got it. Watch the son walk off. You want to go, son? What you want, right? I've, I've, I've done so many weddings. I vowed I will never, I will not going to marry anybody else where the, where the families don't agree. I'm not. You can dislike me. You can call me names. But, uh, and um, so be it. If your mama and your daddy don't want you to get married, do not come ask me to marry I ain't doing it. I'm not going to have any more weddings where I got death on both family sides. Everybody's dying. Oh, God. Please let her say no. I mean, you can get plenty of people to marry you. I'm just not doing it. So don't even ask me. Because I'm going to ask you. Don't, don't, I'm not going to. You can't make me. You cannot make me do it. Now, praise God, because I don't charge for my weddings for members. So you don't even pay me. That's so why I have power to say yes to no. When I pre-counsel you in premarital counseling, if I think you're not ready, I'm not going to marry you. That's another one. If I think you're not ready. If I said, no, y'all ain't ready, I don't think y'all are going to. Who are you? Stand up. I know you in there. I got you. But when the moments come, when the seasons come, and I've had, all this, I've had all this marriage counseling in the last three months, I'm telling you, I've been playing love songs and praying for y'all. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was playing one other day. I should tell you the name of it. I prayed that thing over and over again, and I went from member to member. I said, Lord, let this be them. <laughs> Jesus. Woo, y'all wear me out. It's just amazing. I don't say that because I don't want you to call me. and let, Please call me. Let me help you. I'm just saying, you know, I, I see how people at certain seasons of their life, don't pay attention. And they, and they make decisions and put themselves in places 
and I grieve. I, I grieve. You give your heart and you give your life, but you're, you're not, you're, you're not in, in a season where you can think, this young man could not figure this out. The father knew, but he wouldn't listen. This generation is being told, don't listen to anybody but your friends who have no experience. What in the world? Don't say that, Temple. Don't say that. Don't say that. Why y'all want me to say something I shouldn't say? I told you I ain't sound need to be saying that. Diane said stuff like that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you something. Shh, don't tell anybody. Raise your right hand. All right, good. Some of you didn't even do that. Look at you. You didn't even put your hand up. No, I'm going to tell whatever you say. I'm going to say it. Say it. You ask people with no experience. Some of your friends who've had sex food two or three times, ask a married person who's had a whole lot of experience. They can tell you, don't get married for this. It's wonderful, but don't get married for this. So you got quiet. Why you got quiet? I told you I wasn't supposed to say it. You got quiet, but I'm trying to tell you, a married person who knows better. And some of you, you're sneaking around. When you're married, you ain't got to sneak around. It's all praiseful or whatever. Go for it. Yeah, and then before you know it, you find out it's a responsibility. It's not like a video. You start understanding the responsibilities and the outcomes, and you understand the emotional dynamics of it. You've been talked to and, and, and counseled by people who have no experience. They don't know what they have, no money. How can they counsel you? You have to be wise enough to hear this. If you really want to be successful, ask somebody who knows. Ask somebody who knows. Sit at the feet of someone. That's why all my mentors are 75, 80, 85. I, I like old people in my life. They're amazing what they tell me. They stop me. They pull me on the side of the road. They say, come here, let me talk to you. We see this in you that it wasn't there before. There's something healthy about that. I hang around people who got a lot of money because they don't need my money, and they can they tell me stuff. <laughs> I do. My friend, I'm the poorest of all of them. They got a lot of money. They got all kind of stuff, planes and stuff. I just sit there and listen. Yeah, my jet, my jet, my delta. That's what I tell them. Praise God. But you know, I learned a lot from them. I learned, I learned, I learned to value things. And I learned I don't know everything. I have all these grand ideas. I'm off a little bit, but I'm gonna get back, I promise. I have all these grand ideas. I was in I was in Ghana and I was telling them how I said, you know, I was <laughs> sitting around the table. I, I should call the names. You know a lot of these people I was with, and they was they were all talking, you know. And I said, you know, I was thinking about getting on, on radio here. Because uh, there's, there's a station, and I, I said this to them, there's a station that offered me an opportunity to be on all over Africa for a certain price. And he laughed. He laughed, he just howled, he's a temple, you can't speak French. A whole bunch of African nations speak French and other languages. He said, they don't speak English and they, they can't, and I just sat there like a dummy, you know, you're right. <laughs> And I never thought about getting a translator. You understand what I'm saying? I just think I'm going to send them my tape, and they're going to know what 9700 Middle Ground Road is and my phone number. They're going to dial me from Africa to here to talk to me. Oh, really? Yeah, it is strange, isn't it? Not to think about it, but see, you didn't think about it either. What you learn sometimes is you don't, you don't have the range of experience. You don't have, you don't have the range of experience you haven't left your neighborhood long enough to know as much as you need to know. And so sometimes you, you don't, you're standing around people who look at you and they go, this is too hard to explain. I can't even explain to you why I'm firing you because you wouldn't get it. 
If I tried to explain to you that you can't come late, you wouldn't get it. If I tried to explain to you that you don't need to date that guy because every time you date that guy, you go down in quality and focus. You can't see that because you want a man. You're so focused on that, and you're so blinded. You're blinded by your sexuality, and you say, well, if I just have a man and we just touch all over each other, we're going to be wonderful. No, you're not. When you get with him, eventually, you'll stop doing that. You kid, absolutely. I counsel him all the time. I'm telling you, you forget everything. I don't want to give You start looking at what you start having a different vision, and then you start wandering eyes, try to find you somebody else. And that's how you end up from here to there and everywhere. And your whole sense of who you are gets lost. This father knew that. This father knew. His father understood. I grew up in a violent city. I grew up around violent people. I saw a lot of violence and murder and stuff when I was a kid. I saw dead bodies on our street. I saw, I saw that stuff, and I remember. I remember all the guys who were awesome and bad and dangerous in school. I remember all the girls who were cute and fine. I remember all that. Where are they now? Where, where, where are you now when, when you're not focused? I understand. And so somehow I look at this father and I'm thinking, he saw his son going in a direction and he knew. And he's tried to look beyond his attitude, that moment, the disrespect, and that season. He modeled something for me that really helped me. Here's what he modeled, ready? He modeled how to manage a determined son. See, the father had a great strength, but the son took the strength and distorted it. The father was independent. The father was an entrepreneur. See, the father wasn't against that. He was trying to be like his dad, but he did it in the wrong way. You understand? Sometimes your kids will take your strength and distort it. He modeled how to, how to save a determined son. You wait. Sometimes there's nothing else to do but wait. Thirdly, he modeled how to be available. <laughs> I've said enough about that. Fourthly, he modeled how to manage family confusion. You see, confusion is part of your job description. Just watch your tone. I'm called to manage confusion. I'm called to have crisis. I'm called to have, like when you own buildings and you manage buildings and facilities, you're going to have stuff break. Light air conditioning broke 25,000. This broke 10,000, 5,000. Ah, you know what I'm talking about. It's just managing stuff. It's part of your job. You can't just fall out. It's supposed to break. There's things that just don't go right, and sometimes understanding that is what this guy modeled for me. I'll tell you, I love it. And then lastly, he models the power of long-term investment. Can you say it with me, please? Come on. The power of long-term investment. This will change him forever. Better learn it now. What we learned from the prodigal's father is pretty powerful for me. People can be, number one, distracted and forget they have a long life in front of them. They can forget they have a good life in front of them. I have to remember that that's part of managing people. That's part of life. The father understood that. Secondly, people can get confused and see wise people as a burden or a hindrance. 
I, that's part of what happens to people. They get confused. You know, um, <laughs> there was, um, in our last service, we had the mayor. She stopped by. And um, I had one of those sit with the mayor, because I, I do with public officials. If they come, I'll, I'll talk to them. All you got to do is show up. You don't show up, can't talk to you. Fair? Come on, say fair. Yeah, if you come, if you call me, hey, I want to talk to you, you want to come by, you come on by, I'll talk to you. And so one of the things I said in our discussion was I said, sometimes we get confused and we don't really understand where the source of the crime is and the source of the problem is. I don't believe that the source is just with the government or the police department didn't do their job. Or not. Those are your crazy children. Let me say it again. You take a fool, he's a fool at the house. And you take him to the school, he's a fool at the school. You understand? Fool at the house, fool at the, he don't disrespect you at the house, and you bring him to school, he's going to be the same person. As a matter of fact, he's going to be worse. Because you threaten to beat him at school. They can't do that because you can call the police. You understand? So understand, sometimes what happens is we, we don't want to take ownership. It used to be, this, in this country, it's never been this way. Parents are not taking responsibility for the, for the results we've cooked up in the kitchen. Now, I'm not saying every kid does what you taught them to do, but what that mother did when that boy was down there riding, when she went down there and saw her, his big head on television, she went and got him and beat him home. That's what she did. She said, I'm telling you right now, these other people can riot, but you are not going to riot in my name. I, don't, I see your big head beneath that mask. And she went and got her son. I said, Lord Jesus, I like you, lady. I like you. I like you. I like you. I'm, and I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm only, I'm only saying that because I, I think it's, it's, you know, these are my children. What part of the responsibility do you bear if your kids fail in classes and you come to the school and cuss, cuss out the teacher? I mean, I, I just talked to a guy yesterday, last week. He, he's one of the security guys at one of the schools up in Atlanta. He said, okay, I, he, he, we were supposed to try to get together to talk. He said, well, the Pastor Rick Allen broke up two fights. I mean, cussed out by parents. And he just he said, he said he told, I was told I was nothing. He said, all of that, and, and it's, it's 12 o'clock. <laughs> we supposed to talk at 1230, so I just had to catch you later. I said, it's all good, man. Go save your world. That's what I told him. I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair. I don't think that's right. You can't blame everybody for everything that's happened in your life. A man didn't do everything to you. A man you chose did everything to you. You can't blame everybody. You can't blame all white people, or all Asian people, or the president. Or every, I mean, please understand. There, there, you, know, you know, these. There, there's a, there are certain things in our world that we are responsible for as a group. I get that. America has certain things. I understand that. But I think there's a, there's a point in your life when you have to back up and say to yourself, Who's responsible to clear up confusion? This father looked at his son and understood, you are confused. You think I'm the enemy. You think I'm a hindrance to you. You want to go out here and travel the world. You want to do this and do that. You want to cut me out. You're confused. Remember, this is the guy who stood up to his older son and said, no, I'm right. He's not passive dad. He's just a wise one. That's why I like him so much. I've also learned in 
this story that some convictions people will only change with experience. That's why grandparents are special. They know what they did right and what they did wrong. They'll look at you and say, you need to deal with that child right now. They'll tell you, come here. What you doing with your money? They'll call you in to stop the train. Number four, some lessons are only learned when you have spent all. Nothing like broke. Oh, take a deep breath of broke. It's just, wow. Man, nothing like being in the car with no gas. Nothing like it. You can't get it. It's just nothing like having borrowed all the money from all the friends you have and nobody wants to loan you anything because everybody knows you won't pay them back. You spent all. Nothing like it. Nothing like being in a relationship. I was listening to Aretha Franklin's song the other day, and she was singing, I Will Survive. You know, she sang that song, you know. And I, I never I listened to the words. Sometimes I have artists I just listen to to see what because I never listened to the words back in the day. And she said, she said, um, I should have changed the lock. I can't believe I left that stupid lock off. I should have changed it. And here's what she said, and I, I, this song moved me. You thought I wouldn't make it. I need somebody in my life that loves me. I don't need you in my life like this. Now, here's what he, here's what, here's what he had done. The, whoever this guy was, he spent all his equity. He spent all of his money. All of his, all, all she no longer believed, that, that's what the song is about. She no longer believed and told him, I'm going to survive without you. Because there's nothing left. You can, if you're not careful, you can do this. You can create for yourself something that you don't have to create. And what's really tragic is some lessons you don't learn until you're embarrassed. It's not until you're standing there and they said, you have the right to remain silent. And if you give her the right to remain silent, anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. It's not until they're standing there. It's not until the judge says, stand, please. It's not until, it's not until that moment that you then pause and see it. What did this pay? What benefit am I gaining from this? Prodigal father understood. He's got to be embarrassed. He's got to eat pig food. He's got to get to the place where he can't make it. He's got to come back home. There's something about that. But I love these two final thoughts that just spoke to me so profoundly. And I'm done. I promised these earlier. <laughs> the prodigal father never did allow his children to deplete his resources. He didn't let them drain him dry. You know, I've seen parents who say, I live for my children. I never say that to mine. I don't want them to think that. So I've never said it to them. I don't plan to say it. I don't plan to say it to my grandbaby. I don't plan to say, I live for you. No, baby girl. No, granddaddy ain't going to let you take all his money and all his everything. No, I'm not going to be outside. We both be outside together. My kids went to college. I told them. They, they, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm for education. You know, I, mean, I am. Everybody's got their degree. Everybody's okay. I'm happy. Yay for the family. But I'm not going broke for you to go to school. And, then, and I'm not doing that. No, uh mm -mm. No. He, didn't, he gave his son his portion. He kept his own. You ever thought about that? And he kept the older brothers. He didn't get all the money. Some kids want all the money because they deserve it. 
Don't let them deplete all your resources. They come over all the time, and you just act like you, they come eat after church. Some of you going to do that. You come, Grandmama is on a fixed income. All of you go over there every Sunday. She cooks a big old spread, and you folks haven't bought bubble gum for Grandmama in how many months? I think it's a crying shame. Come on, I think it's a crying shame. I think it's a crying shame. I think it's a crying shame for you to go over there. Well, she won't let me listen. She'll take it. Let me tell you what they do. They fake like they don't want the money, but then you, when you put it on the table, they never give it back. <laughs> Just leave it around the house. She'll tell us in the Bible in John 3, 16 or something. Just tell her. She'll find it. And after a while, she's going to say, you leave anything in John 3, 16? She's going to start asking. I looked in John 3, 16, I didn't see nothing. Oh, they talk, they talk, they talk. My mama chewed me out for putting her in first class. Chewed me. I mean, don't you? I told you. Don't you do that. She said all that. I said, okay, but if you want to see your grandchildren, you're going to have to get on the plane. I'm not sitting with those rich people. She went all off and just all to the moon. Got on the plane. <laughs> sat down. They brought her stuff, you know. And then when she got off the plane, she said, ooh-wee. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you ought not do that if you can't keep doing it. That's what she told me. That's what she said. There's something, you know, that you, you need to stop and pause and ask yourself, am I asking somebody to deplete themselves from me? Should I be in a, in a, in a in, I mean, if you can get a cheaper education, it needs to be viewed as an investment. It's the third largest you're going to make besides a house and a car. Is it right in there, man? I mean, it's, it's huge. It's right after a house. And many, now it's surpassing a house in some cases. But it's, it's, it's one of the top two. I mean, you've you got to be sensitive. you got sisters and brothers below you. Be sensitive. If you're going to a school that, that you can afford, don't be, so, don't be so unappreciative. And graduate. Come on, graduate. Don't go spend all this money and then don't graduate. Oh, God, help us. There's something about this father who understood I did not lose sight of my personal needs for my future. Would you say this with me, please? You may not have said it in a long time. You may have forgotten this. But would you say this, please? Please. Say, I, I have, a life. have a life. Oh, yeah. He cared about his son. He was concerned about him, but he had a life. Look, I've pastored 3,200 of you, a bunch of people, but I still have a life. I have a life. And I'm done. And I'm going to go home and throw on some very casual clothes. <laughs> May go out on the town with my girl. <laughs> Why? Because I have a life. I have a life. I have a life. I'm alive. And some of you need to pause for a minute. And let's not just think about everybody else. I have a life. Let's practice. Come on, say, I have a life. The prodigal father showed us a lot. Next week, we take a turn. <laughs> We're going to show you how to take charge of your time before it runs out. And then I'm going to answer a big question for you. Where did my time go, and what can I do about it? I'm going to show you how to redeem some of the years you think you lost. Because some of you live in the land of I should have, I could have, would have, and I feel bad that I didn't by now. So we're going to help all of you who think you should have done it by now, and I'll show you some real keys to help you be happy and get to the next place in your life. Did you learn something today? God bless you for coming. Thank you. Father, I thank you today in Jesus' name for the word of God and for all that's been said and done.
I thank you for the power that you bring to the table. I thank you for the healing that's happened in this room and those who watch by home, from home. I pray your spirit would bring deliverance and blessing, grace and strength. I give you all the praise and all the glory and the honor for what you've done today. I praise you and I thank you. For those who are here today who may say, I need Jesus in my life. I need to start a life with God. Let this be that day when they say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I need you as my Lord and Savior. I need to start a new life with you. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you say, Pastor, that's me. I have been away from God. I, I'm the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. I've, I've walked away from God, and I need to find him today. I want you to pray for me, Pastor. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to simply raise your hand and say, pray for me. That is me. I see you. Anybody else, pray for me. I see you. You, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I see you, 11, 12. Anybody else, pray for me, Pastor. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. 13. Anybody else? 14. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. 15. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. I pray for me. I see you. 16. 17. Anybody else? I see you. Pray for me. 18. I see you. I see you today. 19. I see you. In Jesus' name. I want you to just stay where you are. I'm let. One of my leaders, Ms. Bishop, come up here, would you? Heads bowed, leader, lead them in prayer, would you? 